Amen, amen. Good morning again, church. You know, um, when we just think about even how God's word is so powerful, that is a miracle in itself um, that his word can do such a work in our hearts. And that is why uh, we're in church on Sundays and Wednesdays and, and Friday nights. God is so good. We're going to continue in our series this morning, Power, Money, and Sex. And this is the last installment of that series. And this morning, the title of the sermon is Sex is from God. And we're going to find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to be reading from verses 12 down to verse 20. But even when we think about uh, those topics, power, money, sex, we recognize that those are things that we had to speak about because so often they can become such a stumbling block. The thing is, if, if, if someone had all the power in the world, if, if they had all the money that goes along with it, if they were in charge of all the sexual activity, that would be a lot. That would be a lot. And, and, and many have fall, fallen in those areas, but the reality is they've fallen in those areas because of the way sin distorts those things. Because God is all-powerful. And God is the one who distributes power. So power is, is not bad. God owns everything. And he is the one who distributes wealth. So wealth is not bad. God is also the one who created sex. It's just so often because of how distorted sex is, it's sometimes even an uncomfortable topic to speak about in church. And, and that in itself shows us, it reveals how far society has move from God's plan for sex. If you don't mind, please stand for the reading of God's word. Again, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm reading out of the CSB, and we're going to start in verse 12 and read down to the end of the chapter, and it reads this way. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will do away with, the, with both of them. However, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Don't you know 
that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? So, should I take a part of Christ's body and make it part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? For Scripture says the two will become one flesh. <clears throat> but anyone joined to the Lord is one with one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price so glorify God with your body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word has power. It has the ability to cleanse. It has the ability to heal. It has the ability to convict to correct, Lord, it has power. And because the power of the Holy Ghost that resides in us, Lord, we can be obedient to what you say as you continue to do something in our hearts. So we ask this day that you would heal, that you would correct, that you would reveal that you would do a work in each one of us because we are all so inundated with all of these sexual things around us and sensuality, Lord. So we present ourselves to you this day and say, do surgery, Lord. Do a work, Lord. Heal, Lord. Grow us. Change us. Make us more like Christ. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. As the title says, it is God who made sex. And God has intentions for sex. There are great benefits of sex in a marriage between a man and a woman. One of the first things that he said to Adam and Eve is, be fruitful and multiply. So he allowed sex to be something that we would enjoy so that we could populate the earth. But it has other benefits than that as well. It is pleasure. And sexual pleasure within marriage brings God glory because it honors his design for sex. It brings God glory when a man and a woman have 
in their marriage a strong, good sex life. He is in the midst of that. And to us, that may sound like, what? But that shows the distortion that something so good from God that he's given us as a gift. I'm looking at people's face, put their head down, smirk, change their face. That is why we need to speak about this. The Bible says that they will become one flesh. It conveys a process of development that deepens in intensity and strengthens itself with the passing of time. That's what it's designed to do for a man and woman that are married to be together. Sex is actually an exter external sign of the internal covenant. It demonstrates outwardly what's going on inwardly with individuals within their marriage. Each sexual act by a married couple should be a reminder of how exclusive they are to each other and that uh, it renews their vows in mutual faithfulness to one another, it continually strengthens that bond. Part of good sex is learning to give and receive mutual pleasure. God has given us this as a gift. Sex within marriage can build a relationship that will bring joy in the future. The thing is, sex outside of marriage has a way of weakening future relationships. God gave sex in a context. So when we um, read what we were reading in the text and think about the Corinthian church and what they were exposed to before they were the church, many of us were exposed to things before we were part of God's family. So we bring in these different things. And then even as the church, we're inundated with all of these images and thoughts and philosophies from the world that's continually pressing down on us. I was reading about an illustration and it was speaking about a story about how Eskimos kill wolves. So what they used to do was they would take a knife and they would put it in the ice, blade up. And then they would take blood from an animal and put it over the knife and they would freeze it. And a wolf would smell the blood that's covered in this ice and it would begin to lick the knife and lick the blood off the knife. And as the blood came, um, it would lick it harder and harder and faster and faster. And what would happen is their tongue would get numb and they would cut their tongue and they would just keep licking it and not recognizing that they 
are licking their own blood. And by the morning, the wolf was dead. It had eaten its own blood because it just couldn't get enough. Often, we are eating ourselves alive today with sex. We can't get on TV, on the internet, um, all of these ways through books and reading certain things, and we're eating ourselves to death. So we abort babies and we fight diseases and have children out of wedlock and, and all of this. There is consequences that happen and that are caused because of our disobedience. The text said in verse 12, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. That, that term, everything is permissible for me, was a slogan that the Corinthians used to say to rationalize their behavior. Um, you, you can read it as, you say that everything is permissible for me. But um, Paul counters that by saying things that are permissible that you want to take liberty in in your Christian freedom uh, may not be beneficial. As a matter of fact, it may be um, false liberties that you are taking because if that freedom enslaves you again, is it really freedom? Christians, you have to ask yourself a question. With whatever you're doing, will this enslave me and create a new kind of bondage? What, where, where do our freedoms stop? Will this profit my spiritual life? Or am I feeding the flesh by what I'm doing, giving it dominion, strengthening it so it would take over? Will you be freed by Christ and brought under the power of something else that's going to control you and you become a slave to that? So we say, I have freedom, and we have sex out of wedlock because I love him, um, because we'll rationalize it. We're, we're going to get married anyway. We, we, we rationalize the feelings that we have on the inside, and we say, God made me this way. I'm trapped in this body, so I'm going to love whoever I want to love. We say, my husband's not treating me right, so I just fell into someone else's arms because they love me and I'm being gratified in this situation. We say, I moved in with this person because we have plans, we're engaged, and we're going to get married, and we're living together. And we call that Christian behavior. It's not. Like we read in the text, 
You were bought at a, at, at a price. You don't own yourself. And if you claim you own yourself, then he doesn't own you. He doesn't own you and you own you. And you don't have the option to separate those things out and say, I'm going to do this, but I'll submit myself in these areas. I, I don't, I don't uh, subscribe to what that says in, in that part of the Bible. Uh, I'm going to uh, rationalize in my mind because of love, because of how I feel, because of the things that uh, is going on on the inside. So we will take feelings and emotions and learn how to justify them and act as if we're right with God. It's a trap. Albert Mola was speaking the other day about how we can take um, our temptations, and then validate them. And then, once we validate it, we present that as if we can present that to, the God, to God and say, accept me the way that I am and whatever I want to do. No. No, not for any of us. Especially not in this category. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. It says the one who sows to the flesh will reap destruction. How? From the flesh. It's a picture of what we just talked about with the wolf. The text continues. Food is for the stomach and the stomach for food. Again, that was a slogan that they used. You say, Paul is saying, food is for the stomach and the stomach for food. In other words, my body has appetites and I'm going to satisfy it. So like food that I crave, this is a natural thing. And I'm going to satisfy it even if it means me going to the temple and getting a temple prostitute. That is what was going on in this context. Maybe we don't have temple prostitutes to go to, but we have that screen and the internet. We have the television shows that we watch, the steamy books that are read, the people walking down the street that we lust after. says food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will do away with them both. But this is what you can't say. 
However, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. You cannot say, yeah, just like I crave food, I crave this, and I'm going to satisfy this, and God is okay with that because he gave me these cravings. Well, he gave us parameters to operate in for something that is good, something that is beautiful. It says that, however, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. That's why he saved you and sanctified you and is going to raise us up again because of the sacrifice of the cross. For the believer, your body is to be used as an instrument of righteousness and not for your carnal desires inclinations, not for fornication, but for holy purposes. The text says, God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. The body is for God's resurrection and glorification. That's what he's going to do to our bodies. It is a thing of honor. Don't abuse your body with sin, doing vile things. Keep your body pure. The text says, don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? Our souls are united to Christ by faith. And your body is a part of his body. You are in union with him. What an honor. What an honor. The text says you should, so should I take a part of Christ's body and make it part of a prostitute. Wow. How dishonoring. How disgraceful. What a gross abuse. God forbid, don't make your body part of a harlot. Text says, absolutely not. Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? No, nothing can stand in greater opposition. There is, there is no, pol no greater polar opposites. There's no greater inconsistency in what we say that we are in terms of God's people, his holy temple, and this does not align with our confession of faith. Every time you engage in any sexual activity, Christ is present. 
God created sex, that it's, it's way more than just a physical act. Society has made it a God to be enjoyed with no parameters, with no rules, any way they want. Recognize, saints, that every sexual act you're engaged in, if you are a believer, Christ is present. So just like I said, he's present when you're with your spouse. He's also present whatever else you're doing. God's everywhere, always, always. So much more than just a physical act. For the scripture says the two will be one flesh. That's ordained by God for the marriage state between a man and a woman. It is one of the most beautiful gifts and great benefits to enjoy within the right parameters. The text says, but anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So the two will become one flesh, but anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. One flesh, the body, one spirit, Christ, the union. So it says, so flee from sexual immorality. Run away. In any form, whether it be thought or behavior, we so often justify things. Well, this is not as bad as this. That's not what Jesus said. Said, if you look, on a woman with lust, committed adultery in your heart. Whether visual or written, and this is for men and women, the percentages of women engaged in pornography is continually on the rise. God sets the parameters and what he made beautiful. And it says, flee. We need to put up parameters. We need to pay attention to everything that's coming in the ear gate, that's coming into the eye gate. We, we can't try to get as close to the edge as possible and feel, okay, I won't go any further than this. A woman was looking for a new driver, a chauffeur. She boiled it down to these four candidates. She asked them all the same question. See that brick in the road? How close do you think you could get to that brick without damaging my car? And the one guy said, I could get within a foot. Another driver said, I could get six inches. Uh, another driver said, I, I think I could even do four inches. The last driver says, 
It's my job to stay as far away from that brick as possible so I don't damage your car. He got the job. There's nothing to play with. Flee means run. It means stay away. This is, this is too big of a deal. It says every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. God created sex in a way, like I already said, that it has much more impact than just the physical act. And that's why it's so beautiful within its correct parameters. But it's so damaging and defiling and degrading and causes so much injury and the consequence is so high outside of his proper parameters. The text says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You receive the Holy Spirit as a gift. You are to be consecrated. You are to be holy. You are to be set apart because the Holy Spirit inhabits the believer. He occupies you. The proper notion of a temple is a house where, where God dwells. A house where God dwells in you. A sacred place for his sacred use. Some of the things we've used our bodies for, would you dare come into the church and do those same things? This is the temple of the Lord. Your body is the temple of the Lord, sacred, set apart for his use. Don't desecrate his temple. Stay fit for his use. Stay fit for his residence. Because you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. You must take care to not use what does not belong to you, but belongs to Christ in a way that is not honoring to him. And again, if you own yourself, then he doesn't own you. But if he owns you, 
watch what you're doing with what he owns. We don't want to dishonor what he owns, that he purchased at such a high cost and for a reason. And then the Holy Spirit dwells in you for his use. So, so on one hand, we think we can engage in these things and then turn around and present ourselves to the Lord and say, use me. You can come up, worship team. As we read this text, it, it made us full aware that God the Father created our body. God the Son redeemed our body and made it part of his body. And God the Spirit indwells our body, making them the very temple of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are involved in our body. We are his property. Wow. The deafening silence in the room is because each and every one of us are affected by this in so many ways. Some are sexual addicts. Some are giving way to all kinds of temptation. Some are engulfed in pornography, same-sex relationships, living outside of wedlock. Many of us have the results of our past sexual encounters, things that we can't turn back. It's done something in our hearts and minds. It may have committed murder, unwanted pregnancies. This is real. This is big. The beautiful thing about God is When he gives us a new name, when we are a, a new creation, we change forevermore. 
The Bible lists all these different things, and he says, as some of you were, even when we still have struggles, he doesn't label you the way he used to label you. Because of residue, because of what we're inundated with, because sometimes we didn't take this as serious as we should, put ourselves in, in positions where there's strongholds, God can break any of that. God wants us to continually come to him. Come clean. Present our weaknesses and frailties to him. His power, the power of his word can cleanse. The power of the Holy Spirit residing in us frees us from bondages. God is continually doing a work in each and every one of us. We sang songs of victory. Sometimes we know our struggles continue on. Doesn't mean that God doesn't look at you as a victor because the battle's already won and the Lord and as long as we're in this flesh, we're going to have struggles, but we cannot just lay down and say, I'm resigned that this is just the way I'm going to be. Because that's not what he's created us for. That's not what he created our bodies for. That's not what he put the Holy Spirit in us for. certain things I, in my life I struggled with for a long time. Went to God time after time after time after time. I could tell you as a living testimony, he can destroy those things. But you know what I keep up front? Flee. Keep my parameters up. God's standing right there. That means two things. One, nothing's done in the dark that won't come out to light. But it also means that all the power that I need, day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, whatever that thing is, He's right there. And we can have victory in those areas. God gave us a drive for sexual things. There's nothing wrong with that. But he also gave us parameters to keep us safe. 
where it would be beautiful, where it would be honoring, where it would bring him glory. We never have to look at sex as a dirty word again. Sex is from God. It's good. Let's stand and pray, family. Oh, Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this subject. As I looked out, the faces in this audience, Lord, told the story. Or the story about our need for you, oh God. Help us not to bury these things. Keep living the way that we're living. From the person that has strongholds in their lives that you can break. To the one that has been casual about even what we watch or how we speak. As if. The union between a married woman and a married man is not sacred and holy. Part of your beautiful creation that has been so distorted. Every day we see these images, even to the smallest things. Teenagers kissing people falling in love and engaging in these pre-sexual things or going to bed and then they cut to another scene and just leave the image in your mind of what took place. We become callous. Treat these things as if they're common. And it's a setup for a distorted sexual appetite. First, we repent, Lord, of not being more careful in what goes in our eye gate and ear gate. How we've spoken and treated these things, oh God. And some of the disastrous effects that has led to in many of our lives. Pray for the one that feel so trapped this day. Maybe battling with something that has been a long, long time. Thank you that your word does surgery. We would lie bare before you, Lord. We also thank you that that, that surgery brings about healing and health and restoration, and redemption. Help us to honor our bodies as temples of the Lord, recognizing that we are filled with the Holy Ghost.
that we've been purchased with a price by Jesus and that we've been created by the Father for good works. That we will not let anything else be our God. Pray for healing, Lord. We thank you that we can come to a good, loving Father that is long-suffering, that is patient. The word says in Joel, chapter 2, Even now, this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding. And faithful love. That's the God we serve. Thank you, Lord. Let's walk out of here different than we came in. Let's present ourselves to our maker. Cry out for help. So we wouldn't be bogged down with these things, but we would be free to be about the Father's business. So we could be near and not feel that anything is creating a wedge between us and our Heavenly Father. And we could be safe under the wings of the Almighty. We present all of these things to you, and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. We know we can have confidence in this, that the work you started, you will bring to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Amen and amen.